Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. Produced at the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country in Melbourne and broadcast across this continent via the Community Radio Network. I'm Ian McIntyre. In August 1979, protesters stood in the path of logging vehicles to prevent the destruction of rainforest at Terania Creek in northern New South Wales. Having spent five years employing orthodox methods of lobbying and public submissions, their turn to direct action was as much driven by their separation from mainstream urban environmental organisations as by their desperation to save the forest. For around four weeks, they would delay work by setting up a protest camp and using tactics such as placing bodies, objects and vehicles upon roads and occupying trees. By undertaking such action, the Terrania Creek blockaders not only surprised their opponents and gained widespread media attention, but also played a major role in developing a new strategy for protecting biodiverse places, that of environmental blockading. As public pressure and policing costs mounted, the New South Wales government called a halt to logging. It also directed forestry operations away from politically sensitive areas and set up an inquiry to decide on the future of Terrania Creek. These delaying tactics worked for a time, but by 1982 both the logging industry and conservationists were fed up. With new logging threatening old-growth rainforest areas, further blockades were set up at Greer's Scrub and Mount Nardi by the Nightcap Action Group otherwise known as NAG. NAG unilaterally declared these areas and Terrania Creek part of the Nightcap National Park and called on the New South Wales government to follow suit. With that government having placed restrictions on the public accessing logging areas, new tactics involving infiltrating the forest in small groups were developed, alongside the barricading of entrance points. Following concerted blockading which saw more than 100 people arrested, a court injunction ending logging was obtained on October 1st, 1982. Many areas of old-growth forest have since been destroyed, or remain under threat in New South Wales. But these campaigns did see over 118,000 hectares of forest added to national parks or reserves, including the creation of the Nightcap National Park. Other than popularising blockading and developing associated forms of consensus decision-making and tactics, these events also created a body of songs which came to be performed around campfires and at protests for decades to come. As part of marking the 40th anniversary of the Terrania Creek protests, I spoke to musicians Lisa Yates and Brenda Lydiard about the role of music in these blockades as well as the history of particular songs. First Brenda and then Lisa told me how they came to be involved in the Nimbin music scene during the 1970s and how involvement in Terrania Creek inspired them to write and perform protest songs. I was involved with music prior to going up to Nimbin. I was in bands in uh, Melbourne from about 1975 and then I moved up to Sydney and that's where I met the Nimbin musicians in Sydney. One of my friends from Melbourne had moved up to Nimbin and they a whole bunch of um, crazy Nimbin hippie musicians came down to Sydney to do some concerts and I got involved with them and then I, that's how I ended up going up to Nimbin in um, 78 for the what was called the Country and Eastern Music Festival, <laughs> uh, which was the most extraordinary experience. It was like walking into a film set. So I got involved with the music sort of scene there and then when Terrania happened, yeah, it was such a, such a transformational experience for me. I wasn't terribly political, really, before that, or particularly 
thinking about environmental issues or anything. It was because it was such a, a local thing, you know, it was right on the doorstep and you could see what was happening and what the effects of what they wanted to do might be to the forest and that's where I really started. I mean, I had written before, but that was where I really became a songwriter because I had something to say. I had been a singer all my life. From the age of 14, that's what I did. I was in church, the school choir and I was in the medical group and I was also in the church choir. And then by the, at 14, 15, I was, that was when um, Bob Dylan and Joan Byers and Judy Collins and all that came out. And so I was a passionate folk singer and learned all the songs and learned the guitar. And so by the time I was about 17, I was performing at folk clubs. But then I just didn't do any singing at all for about oh, 10 or so years. And then I just started to sing along in, you know, with friends in lounge rooms and things and, and found, moved to Nimbin and found a phenomenal music scene there. A lot of the people drawn to the beginning of the Terrania protest were, in fact, a lot of us musicians from the region and particularly Nimbin. And so music just instinctively or without any foreplanning just became involved and um, that's what we did. And a million dollar laugh Where you gonna run to now? The bulldozers came again today And now they're dragging more trees away But when there's no more trees How you gonna breathe? Where you gonna run to now? Prior to the Terrania Creek blockade, Paul Joseph had already written a song called Let's Go Down to the Forest. This was about the area and the dangers it faced, which, as recalled by Lisa Yates, soon joined a new composition, Hey Terrania. Paul Joseph, sadly no longer with us, was always like the town crier. He'd always been a musician and performer and was one of the founding fathers of, of the hippie movement around Nimbin. He was involved also with a recording studio that had been set up at his place in Coffee Camp near Nimbin. And Let's Go Down to the Forest was a song that was written before very early days of, of the Terrania protest. And it got recorded and was made into an ad or a film clip. And we believe it's one of the very first environmental film clips that was done just before we started direct action. Up until that point, it had been very much a media campaign and lobbying and petitions. And this was one of the tools that the committee that had formed in the Shannon Valley, quite a few of them had been in the advertising industries. And of course, it was one of our favourite songs to sing during the Terrania protest. And Hey Terrania evolved through the protest and became 
like an anthem afterwards and it was telling the story of what happened at the Terrania protest. I know very little about his creative side of it, but I know that we've been singing Let's Go Down to the Forest at forest protests all over possibly the world because John C. took it around when he was in very heavily involved in the Rainforest Information Centre and Earth First organisation. He'd do workshops and tours in America. Let's go down to the forest Let's go seek the counsel of the trees Let's gaze in wonder in the forest And bathe in a million years of peace In this world so postmodern Constructed perfectly see There are times when we all feel downtrodden some place to feel free Since time began Long before man Nature has no harmony following segment, Brenda Lydiard and then Lisa Yates explain some of the roles that music played during these events. The role of music was huge and very important. There were actually teams of people doing, organised to do different things, like from catering to media to, you know, whatever needed doing. Um, And the musicians were actually an organised group, so we made sure there were always... Some musicians, whenever people went into the forest to try and block the bulldozers or whatever was going on, there were always musicians there. Music's very powerful. It can do one thing or the other, you know. Sometimes we needed to boost people's spirits, so you really you needed something really anthemic. Sometimes you just needed to help people express the emotions they were feeling because it was very emotional sometimes. And, and then sometimes we just needed to calm the situation down and do a nice calming song and get people to join in with that. So, uh, you know, so we were performing, if you like, all the time, really. And But there were some, there were a few, like, uh, concerty sort of situations to raise money and that sort of thing. But the most, most of the music happened in the forest or in the campsite. Mostly everybody was singing. So there would be people, you know, the musicians would lead the songs. and But, of course, you know, over a three-week period, we, we were using, you know, a limited number of songs that, that everybody knew and we, we would use. I mean, there might have been the odd occasion where, you know, one of us would play a song that not everybody knew and that would be more of a, you know, like an item, if you like. You know, but mostly it was stuff that had choruses that people could join in with, or sometimes people knew the whole song and would join in with the whole song. That was part of the point of it, really. You know, it was that it was that communal experience with the music. The police were very affected, or some of the police were very affected 
by a number of things that happened, and music was part of it. They they didn't want to show it a lot of the time, but I think they you could not couldn't not have been really. The influence of the music was huge in that quite a few people like Neil Pike and Brenda Lydiard and Peter Pixie and Dave Birch and that would take their instruments up to the front line, like where the protesters were slowing the bulldozer working or stopping the bulldozer from coming in. We used song. We sang. We all, we all joined in. As I say, um, using one of the songs Brenda has written is um, using our guitars and voice to get inside the castle walls of 200 policemen. That's exactly it. And then in the evening, at night, afterwards, of course, the police all went back to their camp. We'd have these massive sing-alongs and jams around this huge, glorious fire and a group around it all, you know, till the wee small hours of the morning, singing our hearts out. For me, Terrania was an absolute initiation on so many levels. For the protesters, we realised that having music, particularly when we were on the front line, and if there was media and cameras, by using songs, whatever, however film got edited or whatever, you would only have the words that were in the song coming through subliminally in the background. So it was an extraordinary way to unify the protesters. So it became a very effective tool that was used consistently for many years later at different protests. We're not as gutless as the sawmill supposes. Hands up our greenery, take home your machinery, take your bulldozers away. Standard mills to the devil, choke on your sawdust, you're not on the level. Save our forest forever. Take your away. You're listening to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the Community Radio Network. We just heard the song Take Your Bulldozers, which was written by Phil Levy and inspired by events at Terrania Creek. In the next segment, Lisa Yates discusses the influence of performers Mook and Shanto on the northern New South Wales music scene, as well as their song For a Handful of Timber, which was originally written for the Nightcap protests which took place in 1982. The song was subsequently performed at the Franklin Dam protest in 1983 and modified for the Daintree Rainforest Blockades of 1983 and 1984. Mookie, one of the most prodigious songwriters one could ever meet, inspired by all sorts of things. Um, Sadly, both Mook and Shanto have um, left us, so we have to speak for them. Mook and Shanto were able to inspire people. He wrote... He wrote anti-nuclear songs, he wrote funny songs, he wrote satirical songs, he wrote heartfelt songs. He would sing and there would be call us the Nimbin Bells. There could have been anything up to eight women singing backup harmonies, big chorus choirs. We would, everyone, you know, flying high in stormy weather, those sorts of songs would have the whole hall singing with all their heart those songs they they held us together through thick and thin over many years and he wrote a very powerful song called a handful of timber 
this was for the nightcap protest. I used to sing that song every time the police had a boatload of people arrested on the Franklin. I would sing that to them as they were being um, taken down river back to be arrested. Because its um, opening lines are, for a walk through the forest, will you throw us all in jail? <laughs> it seemed very fitting. For a walk in the forest, will you throw us all in jail? For the myth of employment, will you blaze the final trail? For a chance to use your power, will you strike the lethal spark? For a handful of timber, will you take our national park? For the sake of your empire, will you let them take our trees? And for multinational money, can they do just what they please? For the local country people, will you keep them in the dark? For a handful of timber, will you take our national park? For a politician's payoff, will you cut the future down? For the history books to witness, will you be the criminal clown? For the end of our forest, Will you give the word to start? For a handful of timber, will you take our national park? Save the Daintree National Park.
song we just heard is called Song for the Forest and it was written by Danny Brookley and performed by Brenda Lydiard and Mark Laurent. Brenda and then Lisa Yates discussed the song and the life it took on. That was a very important song and, uh, and I have um, continued to sing it quite a bit over the years and I actually recorded a version of that song and I added another verse to it to do with the people of the forest as ind- indigenous peoples in other places particularly um uh, Indonesia that I was thinking of at the time. So, so you know, the creatures of the forest and, uh, and the plants and trees of the forest and the people of the forest. I've managed to kind of adapt that song to, as happens a lot with protest songs, if they're good songs and they're general enough, you can contextualise them to different situations. And it was a song that I and Brenda and others carried on and it became like the ubiquitous song for forest protest and I know it was an important one that I introduced during the Franklin blockade and a lot of these songs got absorbed into that um, and the famous um, Franklin songbook. So that was the sort of the, the what would you call it, the cultural... Um, donation that we brought to Tasmania and the Franklin Blockade. The Forest Song by Danny was something that the ABC recorded me singing, literally floating in a ducky on, on the river. It's, it's been used as a, as a clip on the ABC, filling time for years. After the Nightcap Blockade, many of the musicians and activists involved continued to take part in protests, bringing their songs with them. 
In this final segment, Brenda and then Lisa recall some of the events they've personally been involved in since 1982. I'm so grateful to have been in that place at that time, you know, because it literally changed my life, really. The whole experience, not just the music, but um, the music particularly. I learned what it, what it was to be a real songwriter with something important to say. And that sort of took me forward into the rest of my life, you know. Well, it was For the River, which, which I wrote for the Franklin, and Save the Franklin, which then became Save the Daintree. It actually ended up in, it's ended up in a couple of doco films about, about those two different protests. And, yeah, For the River won a United Nations uh, environmental song competition, <laughs> which you believe there was such a thing way back. And uh, they had a big uh, festival of environmental songs uh, written by and performed by people all over um, the Asia-Pacific region in in Bangkok. Uh, I've been involved with refugee issues for a few years because I'm also a painter and I have an art group called Art for Change and we do fundraising exhibitions. And a couple of years ago, we, we did one for refugee resettlement organisations in Auckland and I wrote a song about boat refugees which got used a lot around there. There are some of my songs that are still being used. There's an area in New Zealand called the Coromandel Peninsula where the local people have been fighting gold miners for years <laughs> trying to keep them out. I wrote a song not long after I moved to New Zealand in the in the 80s um, called Save the Coromandel and they still use that song because they're still fighting the same battles, unfortunately. I wasn't um, actually involved, but the songs went to the Roxby. They went to Erinundra in Victoria. They went up to Jabaluka uh, later on, years later. That's the good thing about a good protest song is you just change, like, from Save the Franklin to Save the Daintree to Save the Tarkine. You can make them fit, change a few words. I presented the songs as a workshop at a Students for Sustainability conference that happened in Lismore in 93 and thought I'd better write these all down for the other, you know, for young ones to keep on going with them. And I know they took those books, as I say, up to Jabaluka and other anti-nuclear protests. been listening to Earth Matters, Community Radio's National Environmental Justice Program. I'm Ian McIntyre. If you missed any of today's show, you can find our podcasts at 3cr.org.au slash earthmatters. Or if you're listening via iTunes or any other podcasting service, why not rate us and leave a review? It helps spread the word. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program to you. Earth Matters is produced in the studios of 3CR in Melbourne on Wurundjeri country. If you'd like to get in contact, you can send us an email at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page. I hope you can tune in next time for more Earth Matters.